this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And if you are a new listener to this show, welcome. Perhaps because of this episode, you have discovered us. Although this particular band name is very difficult to Google. <laughs> yeah, this will be a tough one now. Uh, much like live. Or the the, or uh, the band. Uh, this was not a good choice as far as band names goes. But well, you know, we all we all hindsight's twenty twenty. Regardless, uh, ladies and gentlemen, ready the fanfare, special effects team. <laughs> Joining us, he's been here before. He's back again, Mr. Phil Fleming. How you doing, Phil? I'm okay for now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds not that enthusiastic. Well, it in in New England, the weather just shifted from late summer to early winter overnight, and so oh, we have snow here. The the the, the requisite congestion has winter congestion has returned. Remind the folks who you have uh, suggested in the past. Do you remember? Okay, I, I was actually discussing this with somebody last uh, late last week. Um, I have brought Big Chief to the table, mm-hmm. Thornetta Davis, mm-hmm. and the Wild Hearts. The second record is that that's the um, E H U Q. Yes. Yes. And then I believe you've joined us for some round tables, oh, the, like the Gin Blossoms oh, been, and Yes, yeah. Gin Blossoms, Soundgarden, um One the, and Done the, the Nirvana episode that everybody joined. Yeah, B sides. B sides Neil Young One in the nineties, Soundgarden. Yep. Yes. So if you go to the Phil Fleming page at digmeoutpodcast.com, you'll be able to visit all of those episodes. I I think let's see. Three, six, nine, twelve, thirteen, fourteen episodes. Wow! I don't know. We've done six hundred and twenty-six episodes, so fourteen is roughly fifty percent of all the episodes (laughs) we've done. You want to check my math on that? Well, Uh, I think to date, I am the only one on the Dig Me Out page whose avatar is a cartoon. That's true. A cartoon likeness of myself. It's a memoji. It's, it's, it's dead on. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a bit strips uh, rendering. So share with our listeners the band and album that you have brought to the table for this episode. Okay, so for the U.S. audience, they probably do not know who this band is, mostly because they had one minor blip in 1989, but that was about it. Um, the, the album I chose is by the Scottish band Gun, and it's their third record, Swagger, which never came out in the States. So uh, I chose this one 
because uh, eh, I didn't think it would be an immediate slam dunk with the DMO audience. So it may well, be we'll a, find out. a challenge. <laughs> we'll find out because we have a poll up at digmeoutpodcast.com. Every episode that's suggested by our listeners, we put a poll up and ask them if it's a worthy album, a better EP, or a decent single. And then they get to vote on it, and we share the results at the end of the episode, along with our ranking. And uh, yeah, we'll see how they how it shook out. Jay, were you familiar with this band or album? I was. I actually owned the debut that came out in '89 on CD. They got they definitely got a push on that record. I remember a lot of ads. Uh, the single was called "Better Days." <clears throat> I don't remember any videos. I don't remember them on the radio, at least in Cleveland. Uh, but I do remember a lot of uh, marketing uh, in you know the hard rock magazines and even the metal magazines. And they had a, I would, my memory of them was they were one of those potential like you know, you know bands that were going to go in a different direction, you know, sort of coming out of the eighties. At least from an image standpoint, they you know were sort of more of a working class kind of look, leather jacket, yeah. t-shirt, jeans kind of thing. Yeah, uh, shorter hair. They looked a little you know gritty. Um, the photos definitely pulled pulled that off. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a bit of a different um, image, and just one of those bands I think that was getting hyped as maybe a you know a new direction for hard music, you know, he- heavy rock and uh, and hard uh, hard rock music. Yeah. So that came out in 89, July of 89. Taking on the World was their debut album. I'll give you, I'll give her a little bit of history of this band. History of the band. It was formed by, well, originally they were called Blind Alleys with a Z, A-L-L-E-Z. Then they changed their name to Phobia and then finally landed on Gun. It was formed by Giuliano Gizzi on guitar, Cami. Morlotti on bass, Mark Rankin on vocals, Alan Thornton on drums, and David Aiken and Gary Moore on guitar. So there were there were like six people in this band when it started. Uh, they signed to AM Records and then the lineup changed. Um Giuliano's brother Dante came in. Um there have been 18 former members of this band. Let's just put it that way. Oof. Well, they have a pretty, I mean, pretty big catalog. I'm seeing a lot of releases here. So, so for this record that we're talking about, which is their, I believe their third record, um, the lineup for this record is uh, a quartet with Mark Rankin on vocals, Giuliani Gizzi on guitar, Dante Gizzi on bass, and Mark Kerr on drums was produced by Chris Sheldon, who's worked with Therapy, Foo Fighters, Garbage, Feeder, Ocean Size, Pixie, Shed 7, a lot of rock bands. And was released on A&M July of 84. As I mentioned, this was their third record. Their second album, Gallus, or Gallus, came out in March of 92. And they actually, they've put out records pretty consistently. Um, with 97 was the last for... A&M, and then they had a break, and then 2012, they released Break the Silence, 2015, Frantic, 2017, Favorite Pleasures, and then just this last October, 
2022, the Carlton the, the songs on Cherry Red. So they're still active and putting out releases. There's been, you know, EPs and, and singles released for the last over a decade. The one that came out last month in October, um, that one's kind of one new track with a bunch of acoustic renderings of hits. Oh, they did that thing. Got yeah. it. That's that's the um that's like the poison uh thing that they did for like three albums in the early two thousands where they like wrote two new songs and then did like right. five covers and some acoustic versions yeah. <laughs> of songs. Oh uh, yeah, that's the Brett Michaels method all the way. Right. <laughs> so let's talk or let's uh let's get to some comments from our patreon folks patrick carter said this was much better than i expected very polished and very diverse joe Royland said i'm going with a worthy album even though i prefer the two which preceded it so joe's got the catalog uh richard waterman agree with joe a few good tracks but weaker than previous reminds me of billy idol better ep to which patrick testa said surely you're not referring to cyberpunk cyberpunk with that quip <laughs> No. Uh, Whitney Beeler, I've never heard this before. The songs kept me interested, and it could be a grower. The lead vocalist wasn't the greatest. He reminded me of John Bon Jovi in too many spots. Future listens will include a skip of Word Up. We'll get to that. Uh, he said, we're the album, though. And Kyle Bittner said, this is definitely a 90s hard rock album. The Bon Jovi comparison is bang on. Overall, it didn't bother me, and it worked well in the background. Not sure if I dug the rock rap delivery on something worthwhile. Better EP. Let's get into it, Jay. Let's talk about Swagger by Gun. Tell me one thing you liked about this record. It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's got the. It, to me, it doesn't sound like a '90s record. It sounds like a timeless, big AOR rock, uh, record which could have come out in the 80s or it could have come out recently. Uh, I think the production of these big reverbed out drums, uh, mixing in, you know, the pretty heavy grooves with like uh, percussion elements, a lot of shaker or other kinds of things to accompany the, the drums to make them sound fuller. And then these huge marshals um, that are just, you know, gigantic sounding guitars over over solid songs and hooks, you know, I think vocally even it's kind of a raspy uh, vocal that could be, yeah, at times you could hear maybe Bon Jovi, but he doesn't ever like belt like Bon Jovi belts. It's more of like a grittier, um, deeper kind of delivery. I could hear like maybe a little Def Leppard-ish in the vocal as well, even with the way it's produced with that. I think there's like a heavy compression on it that you get all that. Um, you know, grit, grit, and uh, rasp in his voice, kind of up front. Even the way some of the background vocals are handled remind me a little bit of Def Leppard. Um, so it's it's interesting in that way. It's um, you know, it's weirdly modern, um, which I never thought I would say going into the record. I was expecting something that would maybe uh, feel more dated in the '80s, or expected to maybe hear like that band trying to do a grunge record and it's not that to me at all uh so it's a it, you know it's got that big like i said that big hooky 
arena sized hard rock sound um which for me personally connects you know to to the stuff i grew up on it's kind of a good mood record you know i just found myself smiling and having a good time with it you know i think lyrically too it's there's nothing like groundbreaking here but it's also not cringy you know sometimes when you get in a genre or bands like this the lyrics can be a little either predictable or you know cliched and i thought lyrically it was interesting enough to um stand up to repeat listens um so it, it was a pretty fun record for me i think it sounds awesome i think there's some legitimately catchy songs on here and uh i think it holds up would uh work for you tim well i agree with the comments that this is a grower because my first time through i was definitely not feeling it and i think the word up cover which is a cover of a cameo song that i i know very well from the 80s it's so like it's not an interpretation they just rock out the song essentially which is fine but to hear it repeatedly as you're reviewing the record and listening to the record multiple times i just started skipping the song because i was like i don't need to hear this like i know the song yeah yeah and I, what I found was that the rest of the record, there's some really interesting twists and turns. And the 80s AOR is spot on because there is a lot of, if you dialed the guitars down just a little bit, like Find My Way sounds like, like the alarm to me. It's a very like kind of Mike Peters sounding verse on that song. Mm -hmm. And the only one, I think, or is it the only one or don't say it's over? One of those has a very Billy Idolish kind of beat to it. Maybe I think, is it don't say it's yeah, over? Yes. Don't say it's over. Yep. That sounds like a, but th to me, that's what I want Billy Idol always sound like. Yes. <laughs> it's like a, a driving, you know, intense, punky yep. feeling, you know, big rock song. And exactly. So then that's when it started to click with me is like, oh, okay. They're basically taking these sort of 80s sounds and 80s styles, but just giving them more muscle. Mm. Um, and that's what I, that's what grew on me as I listened to this over and over. And I also thought I was like, in some spots, yes, there's like the Bon Jovi 80s Def Leppard comparison in in certain aspects it's not really there in in terms of the production or in terms of the aesthetic it's just sort of like little bits and pieces but then i also heard like where harder rock that wasn't metal in the 80s or in in the 90s would go so like 
if this band were to open for like Buck Cherry in, on that first Buck Cherry yeah. album while, while they're playing the United, you know, touring the United States, I would not have been surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even though Buck Cherry was a little bit more edgier, I guess, um, there is and the the name of the album Swagger is an appropriate title because there's swagger to this record, um, and I think that's ultimately what wins you over is that there's just like this attitude that's a lot of fun and luckily there's no i i was so worried as i was like listening to it listening like please don't have a message song you know because every (laughs) once in a while you get a band that has like a message song like this is what it's like to be homeless i'm like dude you you ride around in a tour bus with chicks you don't know you come on please so and for the most part they just sort of stick to what they do well and i appreciated that well even the uh ballad on here the only one uh it sidesteps a lot of the cliches for the you know the ballad that we'd be on the on an album for a band like this so yes you hear some john bon jovi in the, i think the tone of his voice oh yeah absolutely but it's more of like a cowboy waltz kind of feel to that song it's mm-hmm. got like re, you know pretty good comp uh, competent harmonica playing in it it has almost a, like a it has the springsteen side of bon jovi you know in terms of the way it's handled right. and the tone of it versus the over-the-top bombastic you know power ballad bon jovi so i i thought even on to your point about you know you're kind of as you're getting into this record looking for that huge misstep like you were describing and in the ballad can be that sometimes mm-hmm. and i think they even did a good job with it um and avoided that that pitfall yeah because they could have easily put three ballads on here to, to get to 12 songs right and that would have been a big mistake like the fact that they most for the most part are just rocking out is the best decision that they could make and and kept it pretty tight too there's no songs over five minutes everything is like four and a half or less so yeah. like that's that's the right sweet spot because four and a half gives you like a good solo somewhere and you know a bridge and and that kind of stuff i don't need these to be two and a half minute long songs these are these are fine yeah. the way they are phil you were the one that selected this uh what works for you on it i i can honestly say it wasn't any one particular thing um i discovered this record only a year and a half ago Hmm. Where I and I found a copy of it at a flea market of all places, and it at a booth with a whole bunch of other Scottish bands, and uh, and I don't know, just the the immediacy of the songs themselves just hooked me in one after the other, and it just got the record just got better as it went along for myself. Like when it, once you this the second half was was even better than the first for me yeah. um and uh i and listening to that whole thing i it would have been a very welcome addition had it come out in the states in 94 when everything else was going around <laughs> musically in the united states um would have been a nice nice sort of throwback-ish detour in the grunge revolution <clears throat> yeah i agree the um i the late bulb started to go on for me with this record uh i think 
the last four tracks mm-hmm. where I got into that that part of the record consistently and started to really the hooks were you know sinking in and I think the the big guitars were working and then it w- enabled me to then go back and listen to the first half of the record with different ears and start to pull out like oh well these three songs are actually really good and you know there's a couple that are misses but I get what this record is about now. And it did take some time, which is interesting because of a band like this with the production they're going after and the types of songs they're going after, you would assume it'd be an immediate, like, yeah, I love it or I hate it kind of thing. Mm. And it was like a little more lukewarm at first. And then as I spent more time with it, I really started to like it more and more and more um, and make me a lot more curious about the rest of the catalog for this band. It is funny that the album cover, uh, when you look at their other covers or most of the other covers, this is the one that looks like, hey, we're going to make a grunge record. <laughs> it's got like but the they, typewriter but, font. But, but there's semi, they're all dressed up on the cover, sitting on a dingy couch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, or this is going to be our gritty record. <laughs> right. But uh, I would not describe it that way. Yeah, there are, there are times where this reminded me of stuff like degeneration uh yep. just because of his voice uh and and the edge of the guitars and stuff uh so it's it's a nice line that they straddle it's not like they were completely going for a commercial hard rock sound there's some edge to it but they're also very much conscious of of hooks both in the vocals and in the guitars um, I do need to address something worthwhile uh, in terms of what doesn't work. That song's, that rap aspect, it does not work for me. Say what you want about the cover. It's fun, but I don't need to listen to it all the time. But that song, I was like, oh, no. Like, I was worried the second half of this was going to turn into the Funk Junkies or something, which I have unironically will mention every once in a while that I like one song by the Funk Junkies. But yeah, I do what like did you think of that? Of that? I do like the chorus of that song, but I'm with you on the verse. I mean, look, this album has, for me has three missteps on it. I think the cover is a mistake. It's not a bad cover in that, like, when you listen to it, you're going to be embarrassed. It's just unnecessary. I think you, you said it well, Tim. We just don't need to hear that song again. <laughs> um, and it doesn't need to be, re, re, uh, it doesn't need to be uh, you know, re-examined or, uh, you know, uh, remade. Some, and then the rap, the rap style delivery on something worthwhile for the verses, even though I think the chorus of that song is kind of cool. And I think the guitars sound amazing. 
Uh, I also think something like Stand in Line, the opening track, not great. It just sounds a little generic and predictable. Um, it, it to me, it feels pretty starkly different than even the next song, Find My Way, which you get to a super catchy chorus and a really interesting verse. And uh, so there, there's a couple missteps just sprinkled through this record, which is a short record. It's only 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, maybe that's him. why, at least for myself, I'm seeing it as a grower because those three songs kept throwing me uh, on a 40 minute record. You know, it's making up a good percentage of it. Um, and once I started to like, really focus on the tracks and figure out like, okay, well, it's just this one. I'm going to skip it. And it's just, okay. Yeah. They wrapped in a verse. Okay. And yeah, this song is maybe just not as strong as the others. It started to make more sense about these were experiments and things they were trying that just didn't work as well. And that everything else is so cohesive and like, to me, so strong that I find myself kind of uh, able to get past them. But those three are definitely misses for me. I, I, I think Stand Alive is just in the wrong spot. Like, it's an okay song. It just shouldn't be the opener. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the energy that you get on a lot of the record. Right. That really is what's interesting about this band is, is when they're going full throttle. Well, yeah. Like, Vicious Heart is the last song on the record. And I think it's probably the best song. I, I'm surprised that's not the opener. Uh, Stand Line feels more 90s to me, too. It sounds a little mm-hmm. bit like they're, that was an attempt to be like some other bands uh, at that time. Maybe that's what, why they put it first. I don't know. I agree with you on Vicious Heart. The thing that, like, he's not going into the upper part of his vocal and, and screaming and, and that he's staying melodic and mid-tempo. Yeah. And that's why that song works so much better. And yeah, that would have been a I would have been a good opener. You fl- if you flip those two, actually, if you f- move Vicious Heart into the one spot, move Stand in Line to three, and then move Word Up to the closer, make that <laughs> like honestly, make that a un- a hidden track. Yeah, that's a hidden track. That's a B side. That's a a live song you do for fun. It's not the third. You, but you know what? It made me think about at this time. Uh, the one good example I can think of was uh, Striper did a cover of an Earth, Wind, and Fire song um, on their record. There's a star. little bit of like, hey, how do we make ourselves relevant in the U.S. with all this grunge stuff going on? One of the ideas was like, oh, let's go pull. Uh, Dweezil Zappel, Zappa did um, Staying Alive. Yep. There was a bit of like, hey, let's go get funk songs from the 70s and make them hard rock because they're catchy and danceable, but yet we'll toughen them up. There was some bands, I think, in the hard rock space that were trying that and i'm wouldn't be surprised if that's where that idea maybe came from sure because if you add wah wah, wah guitar you, you're already in the funk space to begin with <laughs> right. so and they use a lot of wah on this album they do yeah uh which i'm not a, i'm not opposed to that but that's that's probably some of the reasoning for, i mean the guitar player was like yeah i can i can funk this out <laughs> Uh, so you've had this for the last year or so, Phil. Is there anything that doesn't work for you on it? Um, I can, I can tell why the U.S. never released this record. Yeah, it it would have never worked. But 
the only song on the record that would have worked in the in the landscape of 1994 was something worthwhile. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you could have easily thrown that in the same hour, programming hour, as a Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah, or something off the Judgment Night soundtrack. Right. Yep. And for me that's that's pretty much the only reason why i think the song something worthwhile is a slam dunk um and i'm probably and i'm probably in the vast minority with that i i will admit um yeah as i was listening to it i'm like this came out in 94 and word up became their only top 10 single in the uk <laughs> mm-hmm. and and uh, I th- I thought the pro- with the production with all of the with all of the 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 big sounding drums and the reverb vocals and all of that stuff, I couldn't help but think that had this come out in 1991, it would have done really well in this country. Yes, all of the elements were there. I mean, compared to the first two records where they were. They were definitely aiming for, like, they what they wanted to do was open for Bon Jovi in 1989. Mm-hmm. And they still did that again in 92. And uh, for this one, they, they tighten the song so, so there's not, the, the, the riffs aren't exactly arena ready, but they could be played in arenas. Um, but yeah, everything got got tightened with the third record here, and uh, yeah, it just it just seemed very out of time. I mean, yeah. considering yeah. they're from, considering they're from Scotland and making an a making a very very American sound, like they're you could tell their influences are very American. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that word up cover works in 90 or 91 with a band that looks like chili peppers or faith no more and is like jumping around and goofy not dudes dressed in suits and with short hair yeah like that's how i think you would probably get on mtv or or radio right um i did want to mention so i i I looked up on sometimes i check rate your music for the lesser known albums just to see Mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of reviews out there and i'm just like curious what other people are saying so there's two reviews from 2004 they're like one or two sentences from two different people six months apart one person says to me their best cd it proves the point they can rock and songwriting has gotten better cover of word up is a classic but don't say it's over and crying over you excellent the next one a shitty laddish arse rock album this one I was young and stupid when I bought this, mainly because of the silly cameo cover. Rest of the album was absolutely forgettable. Where are these guys now? Where are these guys now? Who cares? Why am I even reviewing this? Oh, jeez. So this this album hits the spectrum of people. It did. It did. I mean, and I can and see why it would be hard for anybody in the U.S. to like any label to go. What are we going to do? I can see this? people too hearing that word up cover, and to your point, Tim, thinking it's going to be like a Faith No More band or something. Yeah, right. like, and then getting the record and realizing, oh no, this is like an AOR heavy rock album. It's not right. a right. goofy funk album. Yeah. 
curveballs yeah and and the things that like i said that it's it's been their only top 10 single in the uk um the record also only had their only top 20 single in the uk they have four hits off of this record in the uk Mm. at the ascent of brit pop (laughs) that is something it it, i mean and that kind of goes to the, the reason why I chose this. This is their most commercially successful record released at a time when that style wasn't even the in thing to do in the UK. No, yeah. 94 and, is the worst possible time to put out a record that sounds like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you're not getting and, on any, you're not getting on college radio. You're not getting on mainstream yeah. commercial radio. Yeah. I mean, I, think i think it got a release in canada but that but that's the closest it came to the u.s it was Um, re-released uh in japan this year apparently uh, according to rate your music yeah so if you want to get the japanese edition but i i scored a uk reissue 2004 reissue with all the b-sides attached (laughs) where there are more covers oh what what else did they cover are you gonna go my way? Hmm. Huh. Killing in the name of. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Oh. And they covered uh, the Smiths' "Panic." Huh. I'm not sure. I agree with all those. <laughs> and, and and like Word Up, they're pretty. They're really straight covers. Yeah. Not not a lot of not a lot of embellishments, um. But uh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> they they don't do what, in my opinion, they really stumble when they when they're doing covers. And they've done a lot over over the last like twenty years. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let us go to our final. Uh, ratings on this record of worthy album better ep or decent single we'll share the poll results after we give ours jay where do you land on this record i'm landing on a worthy album and i did not expect honestly going into this based on my memory of the first record and uh my you know guess that maybe where this band was going to head uh it's a lot of fun i i can definitely see myself um pulling this back out, getting a little bit more into the catalog. It's also something like it can, you know, if it comes out in the car, like, you know, my, my wife and kid will enjoy it. Like nobody's going to be like, turn this off. 
it's just good like you know accessible um big arena rock you know that it's got its own thing going on it doesn't sound totally derivative you know they have their own sound um it's just fun it makes me feel good so worthy album for me where are you at tim i'm at a better ep i think i'm at a six song ep with finding my way don't say it's over and then the last four songs something like uh, seems like i'm losing you crying over you one reason and vicious heart um i think that's my that's where i'm settling at for this record phil as far as i'm concerned yeah worthy album just take out the cover maybe re- maybe rearrange the the track order a little bit mm-hmm. maybe maybe stand in line isn't a, a great opener um vicious heart is an amazing closer i don't know what y'all are talking about um, <laughs> <laughs> i think you should um, open the record yeah i mean i think it's that strong um i mean but if you wanted a big kind of bombastic opener something worthwhile would be a good opener i mean yeah sound wise sound wise sound wise sure Um, (laughs) i think you're you're setting up expectations that are not going to be delivered if you open with that song though i say start with don't say it's over yeah yeah because that that's that's like a big power pop single absolutely yep um but but yeah i mean other than the other than the cover i think the rest of the material is actually quite stellar um even the even the lesser tracks i mean stand in line is perfectly fine it's just not a great opener song yeah yeah um but and and listening to the listening to the the bonus material there's one other fully produced song that probably that word up probably took the place of but um but the rest of it is kind of a little more bare bones, dried production, which would have been more apt for 1994. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, but yeah. So our patrons were split between Worthy Album and Better EP. 43% for each, with 14% coming in at Decent Single. So... 43% with you guys, 43% with me. That's where uh that's where we landed on this record. I I kind of expected that actually. I yeah, mean, that I, was your prediction. Yeah, well I mean when you put out your feelers and you and you made your calls doing your poll predictions and and no, talked to Rasmussen and Reuters and all those polling, <laughs> polling locations. That, um I I didn't divulge I did talk to a couple of people who asked me what my pick was, but I didn't exactly divulge which ones. Um, mostly because I, I I wanted to choose something that might that might trigger one way or the other. Um, I mean, I thought that I thought the Wild Hearts thing, Wild Hearts record last year was a complete slam dunk, um, other than one song. Um, but uh, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, that the opinion of that was pretty divided as well. I don't remember uh, the exact. I think you're right, but I don't remember the exact how they broke down the numbers. But I yeah. think you're right about that being split. But it, I mean, because I, I kind 
the only thing I kind of knew about that one was that that both of you would have would have your opinion turned around from the first Wild Arts record. That, that was my goal with the, that one. Yeah, but this one, this one, I I I knew it could it could go either way. Yeah, and this is a record. Uh, maybe the Wild Hearts fit in the same category. Uh, you know, '90s is known for being um, the time of alternative music. Mm-hmm. So this is not alternative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so right. if you're looking for that, and you, you know, that's really what gets you excited. This record and probably the Wild Hearts are not going to be uh, something that you know you're into. Um, I think it's interesting in that it. I could argue that it, it is actually alternative um, in some ways, but in the context of 1994, absolutely, yeah, it's the yeah. opposite of what was popular. Right. But that aside, you know, at this point, you know, this all this time later to me, it's just all music, and it, to, it it's interesting in that I could have heard this record in the 80s, it came out in the 90s, and I could hear have heard it in the early 2000s, and I could hear it coming out now. Yeah, um, you know it. Massive Wagons is a, a band that came to mind that kind of has a sound similar to this. You know, it's kind of like a big arena rock uh, sound that is very reminiscent of this. So um, it's timeless in my mind mm. at this point. Well, yeah. Well, I, Phil, thank you for bringing this to us because I didn't know that this band existed. So I'm glad that I do now. And it's streaming, well, which I'm surprised it is that available a, on streaming. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised that a Scottish album that wasn't released in the U.S. is available, available. in the U.S. for streaming. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff that seems like it should be streaming and isn't. So you never know. Like the I Mother Earth album we just did. Like you'd think yeah. that would be streaming, and it's not streaming. Wow, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so thank you. Well, I I yes. almost chose an album that wasn't streaming. That isn't streaming. I may save it for next picks. Save it for next year. Well, you'll need to send me the files because I don't want to listen to of it course. on YouTube. <laughs> of course, I of course I would do that. Yes, thank you. And this is this is a reminder um, for everyone that is a patron. If you are selecting an album for us and it's not streaming anywhere, do a do us a, a kind and uh, do us a solid and and send us those MP3s because listening you... to ripped uh, files on YouTube is not exactly the fun. With ads experience. between every song, it's painful. Yeah. Well, uh... it's, you, you uh, may, your review might, uh, you know, you might have to be levied a tax on the uh, <laughs> on the review there, right? Because I just put a lot of ad revenue in somebody's pocket, <laughs> and I'll be uh, irritated. If you would like to be like Phil, you can go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com and join us at Patreon. Become a union member to vote in polls like the one for this album or in our monthly tournament of death 27 albums picked uh or selected from our hopper boils down to one every month and you can suggest those albums by going to digmeoutpodcast.com to the suggest an album form fill it in throw in that album that band name throw in a little comment with it sign up for the newsletter while you do that the newsletter is a, our, our box newsletter comes out every week Two reviews of new albums, books, TV shows, documentaries, whatever that are relevant to 80s and 90s music that we cover. And then lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback 
uh, for us if you are in a, you know, generous mood. So hey, for join us on the Discord. And oh, I guess join us on the Discord. That's where all the fun happens. It's a curated uh Discord discourse uh discussion yes. area free of advertisements or the whims of crazy billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> we are and yes. We, as we, as, we block as, a, as a a tenant. I don't know why that word's coming to mind of the discord. You will find yourself discovering a whole ton of new stuff. Yes. New to you stuff. Yes. No matter how deep your musical knowledge goes, there is always always somebody that has something that you've never heard. Right. Exactly. There's always something popping up in the, in the listening booth or, uh, Oh yeah. Whatever that I'm like, "Uh, what is that? Uh, we'll, yeah, okay. and it's not coming from an algorithm it's coming from other human beings it's so right. strange it's the human algorithm that we call our hearts oh <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's just a that's just a big warm and fuzzy hug for our, uh all of our discord members and all of our patrons oh absolutely. so on this uh newly snowy evening here in ohio uh, Jay and I wish to bid you adieu, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig me out.